Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. So the point simply being is this, is that we really need to know the Lord. And one of the best ways to know the Lord is not just He died on the cross and rose again, but we experience in our own little way some of the sufferings that Christ went through. And we talked about that last week when we talked about healing the inner wounds. So keep that in mind. It draws me closer to the Lord and how important that is. But number two, what will be a reason to rejoice is the Lord will provide me with extra strength, with extra strength. You know, when you go through this, the Lord is looking at his child and he's seeing you and me go through this suffering. And especially if it's the unleashing of Satan and the unseen world against us through other people. And just like you see your kids and you're trying to decide when do I step in and when do I let them kind of man up and boy up and girl up on this thing and yet still be there to kind of guide them through this time of challenge. Well, the Lord is right there with us, giving us the strength because whatever we're going through now is only to prepare us for the next challenge that we have. Now, some of you just went... Did you hear what I said? What you're going through right now is to strengthen you, to draw you closer to the Lord, to prepare you for the next thing that the Lord brings. Because in order for us to become even more usable, we have to be stronger every year, every day in the Lord on this. And so it tells me, it gives me greater strength. Now go back to the verse here. It says, be happy if you're insulted for being a Christian, okay? For then the glorious spirit of God, I love that. Some translations refer to it this way. For then the spirit of the glory of God will come upon me. Now that phrase come upon you might throw some of you a little bit here because most of you know in the New Testament, when you trust Christ as Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. And so you say, wait, 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 I already have the Holy Spirit. Here it says it comes upon us. Well, that's true. But in the context of the original language, the word come upon really means the word when the Holy Spirit rests upon you. And really that is a Greek word that's used to mean to refresh you or to revive you. So it's not only so much that I get this spiritual power to go through this, but the Spirit of God gives us the ability to kind of power down in our worry and our fear, power up on our confidence that, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't solve this. I, I, can't, I can't stop this thing. This train is hitting me. So all I can do now is to rest in the Lord. And that resting in God is the rest that God has within us through the Holy Spirit. So that's where your extra strength comes from. There's just that final release. Let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Can you remember a time that you were going through such a time of persecution in your life and you did everything you could to, nav- could to navigate through that, sort it all through, and it kept you up at night and you struggle with it? But then there was this threshold, there was this breakthrough that you had that finally you said, you know what, there's nothing I can do about it, there's no more problems I can solve, all I've got to do now is I can't stop this thing, so I'm just going to kind of just give up and let go and let God take me through this and see what happens on the other end. Have any of you gone through an experience like that through any suffering that you've had? Would you raise your hand if you've done that? Okay, that moment that that happened... I would imagine, if you're like me, that there was an additional strength that you didn't have before, additional confidence, a diff- I was revived, and I'm going to make it through this. It's going to be okay. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to be fine. That is a reason to rejoice, is that you'll be given that extra bit of confidence, that reviving from the Lord. Now, number three, it's a special honor to suffer as a Christian. I know some of you say, I don't want that honor. I, I, I realize that. 
But if you look in Scripture, the people who wanted to most identify with Christ, they didn't just want to be called a Christ one because I'm a Christ follower. But if I'm a Christ follower, everything that Christ have, I want for me as well. So I'm willing to put this into my life. And here's what these great guys did, Peter being one. says, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that, and circle this, God counted them worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Christ. There's a great honor when you go through this thing, when you have this situation, that you went through it together, and you suffered, and you made it through. I, I, I've never been in the military. I've never been in any branch of the military. I don't know what boot camp is or basic training is. And There was a time in my life, I didn't, I didn't go to Canada to get away from it. It was just the way the numbers were during Vietnam, since then, my life, etc., but I've had the most highest respect for military people. So I can't tell you through experience, but I can tell you through the experience of what others have told me, that when the guys go through basic training, they go through boot camp, and they come out of this thing, there's this honor that they've endured that suffering together. Those of you that have actually been in combat, you know that as you went into that combat and you came out, there was that... (laughs) How many of you have read how many times one of our military men was horribly injured, and while they're at the hospital, all they could think about was the guys that are still in battle, how they wanted to get fixed up again so they could do what? Go back into the battle to be with their guys. There's an honor, and there's an honor for Christians when they go through this as well. And We'll talk more about that in a moment. So we talked about realize that suffering is going to happen. Secondly, rejoice when the suffering happens. Now number three, refuse to be ashamed. Christians, do not put your heads down when you do suffer as a Christian, and it's going to happen. Let's look at the verse, verses 15 through 17. It says, if you suffer, and I think we could say when you suffer, however, it must not be, and now if you'd like to number these, put numbers by each one of these. It must not be for murder. Now I'm glad that we don't have any here that has committed a murder. Number two, you ought not to suffer because you've stolen something. So now you're accused of it, you're convicted of it, you're on probation, you've got to pay restitution, you're not in a stealing situation. And most of you don't have that problem, murder and stealing. Most of us don't. But maybe we go to number three and four. It must not be for making trouble. Maybe you've known people that are known as troublemakers or prying into other people's affairs. And of course, the Bible says prying into another person's affairs is like taking the ears of a dog. And you say, what in the world does it mean to take the ears of a dog? What's, what's the issue? How many of you have a dog? Okay. When you go home this afternoon, take the dog's ears and just pull them a little bit. I promise you that they'll either bite you on one hand or the other hand, but you're going to get bit. And that's the point. Whether you take this person's side or that person's side, when you get involved in another person's matter that doesn't concern you, you're going to get bit. And that's the point he's trying to make here. Don't suffer for the things that are wrong. But if you are, go on, it says. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Now, I need to pause on that. Because when we read this, being a Christian... When you trust Christ as Savior, your sins are completely forgiven. You're in God's forever family. You're heaven bound, etc. And frankly, many people may never know that unless you go public with your faith, which you should. That's a part of it. Not to get saved, but a part of being saved is going public with it. And so when it says here being a Christian, these people, when they were being a Christian, they all went public with it. And that's why it says it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Because God, for the privilege of being called by His wonderful name. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His wonderful name, a Christ follower. For the time has come for judgment. It must begin first among God's own children. And if even we as Christians must be judged, what terrible fate awaits those who have never believed. 
God's good news. So in other words, we're going to get disciplined not to determine whether or not we go to heaven, but the rewards that we get for how we live. Now, some of you, you might be thinking, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to go public with my faith. You know, I don't want people, I, I don't care if they know I'm a Christian as long as they realize that, give me my space, I'm a Christian like you're a Buddhist, I'm a Christian like you're whatever, whatever. And so we, we all have the freedom to be what we really want to be. And so you're okay with that. I'm talking about a Christian who says, Jesus is the only God, salvation by faith alone in Christ is the only way, and to live a life for the Lord is the best superior life that you can live. And I'm coming alongside of you. I'm not trying to put you down, but I'm trying to give you truth so that you too can enjoy the only way to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. Now you come underneath some persecution. And some people don't want to go public with their faith. And I pray that you do. I read a very interesting document this week from a dear, dear friend. He had to give his philosophy of education 14 years ago. And he said, Pastor, would you read this? Because I have to resubmit a philosophy of education in a school that I'm working in now. And I want to know if I should, what do you think of this? So I said, give me two or three days. I opened up this document. I went carefully through this. It was the most remarkable document about a godly man who's working in a secular arena stating his Christian worldview for his education. When he did this, all hell did not break loose 14 years ago. But 14 years ago, the world is in a lot different place than it is now. Am I right on that? Have you been following what some of these teachers are going through just because they want to say something about their God on Facebook or a blog? So now he's got to resubmit this. And we both came to the conclusion. I, I have to submit the same doctrine document. I have not changed my philosophy. And so I'm going to do it gently and lovingly. And he had the right thing at the very end. He reduced it to the right way to put it into the street language but yet at the same time not compromising one, one iota. Now here's the thing. When he submits that, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I have no idea. But here's what I do know. I respect this person because he is not ashamed to hang it all out there and say, God, my life is yours. It's not my career. It's not my reputation. It's you and you alone. Now I don't know where you are and it doesn't mean you have to get in someone's face and tell them turn or burn, try or fry, forsake or bake if you physically sizzle. You don't have to get into all of that. But you can present your case in a very loving, correct, careful way. So here's what I like to say about the fear of rejection and the antidote to it. Just two. These are marginal. You can write them down. Realize that you don't need the approval of everybody in order to have a happy life. I think sometimes we have grown up in a culture that we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to tip the apple cart. We don't want to shake the apple tree. And so we stay away from any conflict. And I have to tell you at times that you don't need the approval of everybody because not everybody is going to approve you. Here's a verse. How many of you remember this verse? It goes like this. Jesus speaking. He says, beware when all men do what? Speak well of you. Because you know what you've done then? You've kind of become a slippery Christian and compromised. Here's another point. Be more concerned what God thinks about you than what other people think. You will have to give an account of what you've done for your faith in a loving, gracious way, using time, tone, and technique and standing up for Christ. But at the same time, you keep trying to put it out that you realize that you're here for a short time and you want to make your hope known like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But what are you going to do with this at this particular point? Maybe this phrase will help you. Whenever you live your life, live your life for an audience of one. And who is that? God. And once we come into that and we know, okay, Lord, I give it all up to you, 
your life probably will take on the most technicolor surround sound like you've never experienced. And I'm excited for some of you, and I'm excited for those of you that have done this, and you're experiencing this even now in your life. You're finding this is a sweet life. Number four, remember you will be rewarded. I love that about the Lord, that when you do this for the Lord, He will reward you. Now, I'm taking this from another portion of Scripture because it is a part of this, but it's not in the context. And here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He says, For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So circle, immeasurably great glory, and then underline the phrase, that will last forever. God says there's a crown of life for you and me when we do this. That's beautiful to be able to have that. Look at Romans 8.17. Here's what it says here. It says, and since we are his children, we shall share his treasures. Now let's pause for a moment. Um, when our kids were living at home, they could go to the refrigerator and pick out anything they wanted in the refrigerator. If they wanted to watch television, they were restricted on what they could and could not watch. Obviously, they didn't have all the, the controls on it then as they do now. So they could do that. They could walk in the house anytime they wanted. To go into our bedroom, they had to knock. Or if we were in the restroom, they had to knock. But other than that, they could go and do. They could pick up any of my tools, grab any of my toys, grab my surfboard if they wanted to. Whatever I had was theirs as well. That's the treasures that we have. And I want you to know your house is probably very much the same thing. You might have a little safeguard on a couple things like computers and things that belong to the office, etc. that you bring home. But for the most part, what is yours is theirs. And that's so beautiful. Think about it. Everything that God has... God gave to his son. He has it all. And because I am a child of God, as Jesus is the son of God, in the sense of a relationship now, whatever God gave to his son, God gave to me. So the treasures of God in Christ are my treasures as well. And when you live a Christian life, that's your resource pool that you can draw from that no matter what you're going through. That's the joy of being a Christian even. Let me go back to the verse. It doesn't just stop there. It goes on to say, for everything God gives to his son, Christ is ours too. But if we're to share His glory, we must also share His suffering. Would you underline that? Let's just say for a moment that the kids, our kids, and I suffered a major financial reversal for something. The car broke down, the water heater was shot, things were going wrong, and all of a sudden I had to start liquidating some of our toys or our incidental items around the house, garage sales, eBay, what do you call it, Craigslist, all of a sudden, the things that I had, I don't have any longer. So now, they suffer because of the suffering that I had to go through. But you know what? That's all part of it. And if Jesus suffered on the cross, I want to suffer on the cross too. That's the joy of being around Christ. I was reading last night towards the end of the life of Hudson Taylor. His first wife died a horrible death as a young lady with two or three kids. He married again and was with this woman he dearly loved as well. This woman is now dying because of a tumor in her stomach that was so bad that it was inoperable. That's not really what killed her. When she finally died, the tumor grew so big that it squeezed out her lungs and she choked to death, just trying to breathe. And so in the last week of her life, there was people coming by and it kept saying to her, oh, don't you get so excited? You're going to heaven and how glorious heaven's going to be and how sweet it is going to be in heaven with a new body. And you know what her answer was? Her answer was simply this through her suffering. She looked at them and she said, do you know that there's more in the Bible that speaks of Jesus than it does of heaven? And I've got Jesus right here, so this is all I need wherever I'm at. I, I have everything I have right now with Christ. And then she died. To me, that, that's the bottom line of knowing what suffering is all about. Whatever we go through, we've got Jesus right there. 
Do I hear an amen on it? Well, I want to bring this to a close by giving you the fifth and final point. And put a star by this one because all that other stuff is intellectual knowledge, but now what are you going to do with it? And that's finally, you need to remain faithful to the Lord. We do need to do that. When we do suffer, it's going to happen. Don't think it's a strange thing. Don't be surprised by it. It's going to happen. So we need to remain faithful. Look at the verse back into 1 Peter chapter 4. It says this, If the righteous are barely saved, meaning the fact that we didn't do anything, it was all God's grace, so we didn't do any part of this, so we're barely saved in the sense we couldn't do anything. What chance will the godless and sinners have? So if you are suffering according to God's will, you might want to underline that, since you are suffering according to God's will, which, by the way, it's, that's a very subtle statement to say that it is God's will for you to suffer. Now, there are some beliefs out there that when you become a Christian, you have health and wealth. And I'd like to tell you that there's a spiritual term for that. It's called baloney. Because it's not always the case. And yes, you may have wealth and you might have health. And don't put that down when people have that and God permitted that. But that is not a promise that once you give it all to the Lord, you become a beauty queen and the star player on a football team. It doesn't mean that at all. It does mean this, though. You will suffer according to God's will. Now, here's what you want to look at. Number one, keep on doing what is right. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give in. If anything, strengthen yourself in the power of the Lord. And then number two, and trust yourself to the God who made you, for he will never fail you. Now, if you need a verse to take home and own on this whole message, it would be the last two verses of our passage today. And that's simply keep on being faithful. And then secondly, you trust the Lord through all of this because he'll never fail you. Now, don't put timing on it. Don't put a calendar on it. And don't put a fill in the blank. You want it this way, God. I want it this way, God. You say, Lord, whatever you want in my life, I want to have it. So those of you that want to finish out your simple outline, a couple little blanks in the bottom there. Simply, how do you remain faithful? Just continue doing what you're doing. Just continue doing what's doing this right every day. One foot in front of the other, that's faithfulness. And then commit yourself to the Lord. Lord, I'm doing this for you. I know I'm suffering. You suffered far more than I will ever suffer. And the greatest news is I'll have rewards in heaven and I'll be in heaven with you forever and ever. And this life is so short. I'm just passing through. It's okay. Bring it on. Well, folks, I, I think there was enough meat there for you to grab a hold of something off of the plate that will help you during your times of suffering. But what do you go home with today? You need to know, though, that you and I are going to suffer, whether it's just through the common suffering, hopefully it's not through wrong choices, and there will come a time of Christian suffering when you stand up for the Lord. But you're in a, a very unique group, a very unique club of Christians who do that. You're in a club that is really getting to know the Lord. Those of you who are our guests today, some of you are thinking about all this suffering and how to deal with it. I'm going to say something that might shock you a little bit, and I don't want to. I want to say this in love, but at the same time, I need to warn you. The suffering we go through this life is absolutely nothing compared to the suffering of the hereafter if you don't trust Christ as Savior. For those who have not trusted Christ as Savior, no matter how bad earth is, that is that person's heaven until they die. And for Christians, no matter how good this life on this earth gets, it is our hell, because this is the worst it'll ever get, because we'll go to heaven. So those of you that are saying, man, I, I want to go to the next life. I want to be with the Lord. I want my sins forgiven. I want you to know it's so simple. We talked a lot about the suffering of Christ. Why did he suffer? He says, because you're sinners and you needed a Savior. And for me to save you, I had to die. And he died a horrible death where he shed his blood and he rose again. And he paid that price. And now he offers to you, based on what he paid for, your sins on the cross for you, he offers to you freely eternal life. So how do you do that? 
You simply admit to the Lord, Lord, I am a sinner. I admit to you, I cannot do enough good works to get rid of this sin. I admit to you that I need you to be my Savior, and you're the only Savior. So, Lord, now that I'm telling you this, I'm letting you know that I'm casting my entire confidence on you. I'm taking you at your word when you said, if I believed in you as the one who died and rose again, you take me to heaven. And Jesus says this, he that believes on me has everlasting life. So then you have everlasting life. And whatever you go through here, don't worry about it because you got a brand new life in heaven where there's no pain, sorrow, disease, or suffering of any kind. Won't you trust Christ? Let's do that right now, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I have no crystal ball and I don't believe in them anyway. So I don't know what or when or how you're going to go through those dark times of, of suffering in your life. I don't know that. I don't want to wish it on you. I don't want to speak it to, to have Satan hear it and unleash his, his unseen world armies against you. But at the same time, I, I'd like to say like Peter, dear friend, dear church person, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial that's going to come to you. It's going to happen. So now what Jesus has done is through his word giving you what you can do when you have those problems of suffering. So my friend, would you now own this message in your heart? Would you now truly own it? Would you realize that suffering is going to happen? Would you rejoice and at least ask God to help you to that point of rejoicing in it in the sense that you're able to identify with Christ? Would you refuse to be ashamed? Don't bow your heads and feel like you've done something wrong. It's to you that you should hold up your head high because you did something right and suffered for it. It's when you do something that's wrong and sinful and you suffer for it. Yeah, you should be ashamed. And remember that you will be rewarded and there's no greater reward than a reward given to you by Christ. And if he can promise you that he'd give you eternal life and he does and he promises that there's a reward waiting for you in heaven, there is. You can count on it. But until then, just remain faithful to the Lord. Keep doing what you know to do right and then trust God with it. Don't try to figure it all out. Don't make demands of the Lord. Just rest in him. How many of you would like to have prayer because maybe even today you're going through some element of suffering and God is speaking to you, but now you have something to work with to make it through that suffering in a way that would be God-honoring. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand right now? Amen, amen. I don't know if our young people might become missionaries someday and you might be called to a country that is totally anti-Christ, anti-God. But I pray that you'll tuck this message away into your heart and your mind and you'll always remember this. Now, for those of you that haven't accepted Christ as your Savior yet, in a sense, you're on a railroad track and the train is coming. The train that's coming is not Jesus trying to wipe you out. The train that's coming is your own mortality. You will die. And so now to get off that track, you don't do religious works. You don't do social works. You simply say, Lord, I need a Savior. And then He will take you off that track and give to you eternal life. Oh, your body will die. I can't deny that. But you, the real you, will never die and will have everlasting life. Is there anyone in here today that with an uplifted hand like to privately let me know that you're trusting Christ in here and you've never trusted Him before, but you want to do it now? Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hand thinking that you'll get to heaven by raising your hand. That doesn't get you there. I will pray for you, but my praying for you won't get you to heaven. But it's today that you said to the Lord, Lord, I'm a sinner. You are the Savior. I'm receiving you as my personal Savior. 
and the forgiveness of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again. Is there anyone in here with heads bowed and eyes closed who would like to silently let me know that you're trusting Christ in here, you've never done it before, and you want to do it now, and it's a once and for all deal. You never have to trust him again. You're sealed into his forever family. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all that would like to let me know you're trusting Christ, never done it before? Anyone? Put it up. Thank you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I pray for our folks here. I, I, I pray that whatever suffering, it will be a minimal amount, a short amount, would not be painful. And then, Father, that you'll wrap your ever-loving arms around them. But at the same time, the reality of it is, is that we all will suffer. And so, Father, help us to remember what we've learned here today about suffering. And that as we go through it, that there's this joy, there's this happiness. There's this holding up our head that we're not ashamed. And that as we do this, we will remember that we will be rewarded in due time. And then finally, that no matter how much we suffer, we will never give up. We will never give in. We will keep marching forward for you and living our Christianity from the inside out. Now, Father, I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,